Amen. The devil's a liar and he's defeated. So maybe I ought to just start thinking about how good God is. I don't know how long it would take to just start thanking God for all the things he's done for us. But I'll tell you what, he's been good. Amen. I appreciate the Lord today. We're going to turn in our Bible's book of Revelation. Revelation 2. Very simple message today. That's what we need sometimes. And some of this, a lot of this is just something we deal with on the regular. But uh, I just feel like it's something we need to kind of focus and refocus on sometimes. Praise God. Revelation 2. And uh, before we read, let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence here. Thank you for, Lord, just everything you're doing, God. I pray you help us today. Lord, everything that we do in this church and in our lives, God, we need you. God, we need you. And Lord, I thank you that you made a way that we can have your strength, your help in our lives. God, I pray you just bless each one and God, just strengthen us in you and help us to examine ourselves. And Lord, feed us tonight with truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. Revelation 2 verse 1. Seven letters here to seven churches. We're going to read the first one. To the church at Ephesus. Under the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. If you read the first chapter, hallelujah, he's got the messenger in his hand, and he's walking in the church. Now listen to what he says. He says, I know thy works. In this context, this is a positive statement, because they had a lot of credentials that they could show. Sometimes when Jesus says, I know thy works, those that are reading the letter, I'm sure say, oh, I know what you're talking about. I'm not proud of my works. But these works, they could, they could be proud of. He says, I know thy works and thy labor, the patience. How that canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them that say they are apostles and are not and found them to be liars. Be careful who you listen to online. You know, there's people saying now that when it says that they uh, tried people that said they were apostles and found them to be liars, there's people saying that's Paul. That Paul was the apostle that wrote to the Ephesians. So he must have been talking to them. God, help us to stay with the Word. But they did have a standard to say, you know what? We don't want evil. We don't want liars. We want the truth. He said, and has borne, you carried the load. And has patience. Again, he says, for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. It's all good. Somebody say, it's all good. It is all good. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember. Somebody say, remember. Remember, Remember, therefore, whence thou art fallen, 
and repent. Do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. God bless you. You can be seated. One title is tonight, Sometimes You Have to Go Back to Move Forward. See, this church is to the church now. We're not going to look at the world. We're not going to look at the sin in this world. But Jesus is talking to His church. His children bought by His blood. Amen? And He's seeing all the good things in their lives. But can I tell you that there was a deal breaker in something that He saw? He's not denying that they're not hard workers and there are standards in their life of of recognizing, hey, we need the truth. We don't need to play games with this. They've gotten through some things. They've gotten through some battles. Gotten through some difficult times. That patience and the... And uh, it takes patience to face hard times and hold on. But he says, nevertheless, I've got somewhat against thee. Something here, not only he says, I want to perfect in you. Because, you know, sometimes you can be doing so good and then you come to church and hear the preaching and, and you got to get up to that altar and take care of some things, right? But this is one of those things that Jesus said, without this, you're not even really considered a church. He said, you have left your first love. I remember how you once loved. I remember how that love worked through you. Amen. Listen, you can look at folks that have walked out of church and say, well, look at how they, they backslid. But he's talking to the church. Saying, I remember how you loved me. I remembered the joy that you had when you came to the house of God. I remember how much it meant to you to have a place in the house of God. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve His mercy, His love. I don't deserve His grace and how blessed I am. And you would express that. You'd express it to Him. You'd express it to others. Do you remember? You know, it's easy to kind of fall into a routine. Oh, I still pray, but where's that first love? God says, have you been praying like you used to pray? Amen. Amen. Oh, I come up around the altar during church and I really pray. Do you pray like you know how, how I remember how you used to pray and I, my spirit would move? Hallelujah. You can look at all those folks that aren't praying and say, look at them, but he's looking at you. I remember the love in your prayers. I remember the love in your worship. I remember how you love the Word of God. You left that first love been pointed out so many times and I think it's a very valid point. He didn't say you lost it. Amen. No matter how much you think. I, I know what it's like talking to a brother here tonight for church thinking, man, I've, I spent half my time it seems lately looking for things I've lost. Where did I sit it down? I cannot believe this. I think I told somebody a week or two ago if I could take all that time that I spend just trying to figure out where I laid my phone down. I could probably take all that and put it into research and cure cancer or something. The time I spend that. But you didn't lose it. Your first love isn't something you lose. It's something you leave. 
You make choices, maybe not even so much consciously, but you choose to, to not really put your heart into it. You choose to kind of maybe gravitate towards some things you know God doesn't love. He says, remember. Remember, therefore. He sees it. He remembers. He knows how you loved Him. He misses that. Isn't that amazing? We're saying, God, you ought to just be excited. I showed up to church. He's like, oh, I remember. And I miss it. I didn't go to Calvary and shed my blood for your sins so that you could just fill a space, but that there would be this friendship between us. Hallelujah. That every day that you could recognize, God, you gave me something I don't deserve and forever, I love you for that. Amen. Don't have to beg me. You know, one thing I appreciate about a lot of folks around here is it doesn't take a bunch of priming and pushing to get you just to to start loving God. Come out here and see this prayer like it's been and worship just just right out of the gate. First song, it's it's loving God. If it's something we got to pump the crowd up for, you know, that's not that's not love. That's just that's just a beat. That's just an atmosphere. God says, I, I remember what you had. I remember how, how, how real it was to me. Hallelujah. And he says, I want you to remember. Think a lot of times, again, people look at other people. You know what they did? You know what they said? Oh, that's bad. There's no shortage of that. A lot of rotten things going on in the world. A lot of rotten things going on in church sometimes. Yeah. But God says, what about you? Do you remember how you used to pray? Do you remember how you used to... Is there... Hmm, help us, God. Is there backsliding in me? Because when I... When I love Him, it's a choice. See, when I read the Bible and, and see, especially there at 1 Corinthians 13, people call it the love chapter. Everything, I did a... a of course, I've preached through it multiple times, many, many times. And if you look in dictionaries and encyclopedias, look up love. First words are, it's an emotion. Is that what God said love is? Nuh-uh. It's not a feeling. Love's not how you feel. Praise God. It's not a, it's not a romantic feeling. It's not a, a, a warm, fuzzy feeling. It, it, it's a, a dedication. It's a commitment that you... you Put God before all your, all your needs and put Him first. Love, the Christian love, it's a completely different word because it's a word that serves somebody else's needs above your own needs. And it's not proud, it's not puffed up, it's, it's patient, and it's kind, and it's all these things that are actions and attitudes that you choose to exhibit. People fall in love like it's a pit. <laughs> oh, man, what's wrong? I broke my leg. I fell. Yeah. Fell in love. Yeah. But in the Bible, you something you purposely climb up to yes, and do what God's will says. Amen. It, it, it's, a, it's an act of your will. Amen. When it's difficult, when times are tough, love is an 
act of your will, you make up your mind. Worship is, is something you willingly give to God. If all you do is praise God because it feels right in an atmosphere, in a song, in a beat, you could exchange that for any band in the world. But loving God means all the power goes out. You're just still like, oh God, you're so good. I can still dance. I can still keep my hands up in the air. It's not ruined. And Jesus says, remember what you had? Remember what we had? We need to get back to that. We need to get back to that first love. Repentance is so key in our lives today. Because he says, go back and do those first works. Go back and do those first works. Hallelujah. Turn with me to Psalm 51. Hallelujah. Psalm 51. See, he says to go back what you had. Go back and do what? First works. The first works. Do you remember your first works? Do you remember when God first saved you? And what that meant to you? Nothing's changed. When you came to God and said, I can't do this, I, I, my best is filthy rags, I'm, I'm lost and I need you, and, and God, the fact that you're extending your grace to me, it's, it's beyond what I can comprehend. It's so amazing. When you first knew you needed a Savior, when you first loved God because you didn't, couldn't fathom why He would love you, Amen? But you said, God, if you're going to love me and, and show me that love, I'll, I'll serve you. I'll give you my whole life. So often repentance is, is not just glossed over. It's forgotten completely. And we have this idea. Um, does anybody want to accept Jesus? You want to repeat this prayer and accept Jesus? But repentance says, I'm lost and I need a Savior. Repentance says, I'm, uh, I don't like who I am, God, but you still love me. I, I don't like what I've done. I'm so ashamed of myself, but you still are reaching for me. What happens that we get to a place where we forget that? What happens to some people when they become too proud to say, now look at me. Like you deserve it, like something you did. Some testimony you gave, some uh, maybe song you sang, some work that you've done. Now, all of a sudden, look at you. Didn't the word of God say, what did you ever get that wasn't just given to you? How can we ever get so proud and think we've ever gotten past the need for a Savior and His amazing grace? Hallelujah. Psalm 51. Is David... After he has sinned, David, after he has just failed miserably, it says in Psalm 51, have mercy on me. 
Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to thy tender, the multitude of thy tender mercies, and blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Oh, God, help us. Can I tell you this today? We need to get back sometimes to those first works. There's no way we can move forward at times until we go back and reclaim that attitude of repentance. Reclaim that attitude of understanding God Without you, I'm lost. It oughtn't be very It oughtn't be very often we forget to just search our hearts. It oughtn't be a regular occurrence that we don't forget to just say, God, is there something in me, God, that I'm that I've stumbled, that I've failed? Is there something in me, God, that because we do stumble, we do fail, we do fall, and what we do is come right back to Jesus and say, God, I'm sorry for that, and forgive me, and renew that that first love again. It says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. Verse 3 is what we wanted. I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Sometimes we have to be very, very, very honest with ourselves. Say, you know what? I got here. I got here. But it wasn't trying to. I, wasn't, I didn't make willing decisions maybe that I thought, hey, I'm going to end up in a bad place. But here I am nonetheless and nobody pushed me. I made decisions. I failed. I stumbled. David didn't, I told you many times, didn't blame anybody else. You don't see Bathsheba coming into this equation. You don't see any kind of blame at all. I acknowledge my transgressions. I left my first love, God. You never left me. You never forsook me. You've always been good to me. But God, I made choices to step out from that shadow of your wings. God help us. Dropping down to verse 6, he says, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou hast made me to know wisdom. So important for us to recognize that God is addressing the inward parts of your life. Not just what people saw. Not just what people think. But God wants to get down to the root of your sin. The root of your problem, what's down in your heart that is, that's not loving Him with everything. That's not trusting Him with everything. Isn't that the case, though? When, when sin tempts you, you're, you've got to believe that God isn't enough for you. When somehow the enemy lies to you and pulls you down, he's got to tell you what, what, not what God says about you. But convince you, and, and you've got to say, just kind of like Eve we talked about this morning. The devil says, did God say that? No, not for you. And you make a choice. Rather than say, 
Get behind me, Satan. You pay attention to those thoughts. You pay attention to those lies. You start putting some, some value in them. Well, maybe it's true. And then after maybe it's true, I know it's true. The devil's a liar. Say the devil's a liar. Amen. We got to go back to our first love. We got to remember what we had. Remember how we got there. Remember how we repented. Remember how God had mercy and reclaim that. Repent. Turn back to it. Look what it says in verse 10. It says, Create in me a clean heart. Psalm 51, verse 10. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. This is something that I think is so important that I share many, many times with people who are struggling because sometimes when I look at my life and I look at what I'm working with, because it's so easy to look at yourself and say, I don't have the tools. I don't have, you know, uh, sometimes the preacher says he takes all those broken pieces and puts them together. I think I've got some pieces missing. Some of those things I've been looking for all day. I don't know what happened. I don't know. I don't think I have the capability of doing that. David said, create it in me. See, when you're at the end of your ability to, to, to deal with things, that God can create that clean heart in you. Amen. He's a creator. He can take something out of nothing through His Word. He can speak light into darkness. He can speak blessings into chaos and confusion. When you get His Word into your heart and mind, it will create in you something that you don't have. I don't know how to have a clean heart. David said, God, you created in me. I can't do it. Renew a right spirit in me. I had a right spirit. I don't know what happened to it, but God, I need you to renew it in me. Repent and do the first works over. Repent and get back to that place. Don't get so far away from those first works that you that that you don't understand. God, my heart's not clean. My spirit's not right. Go back and do the first works again. Repent. David said, I had a clean heart. It's not clean now. I had a right spirit. It's not right now. So he just falls on the mercy of God and says, God, will you create that in me? I don't know how many times throughout my life I'm just being very, very transparent. How many times in my life I said, I know what I need. I just don't know how to get there. I know what I should have. And it's very evident to me, if not anybody else, that I don't have what it takes to get there. So I go to this verse and say, God, you've got to create it in me if I'm going to have it. You got to put that in me, and I believe He does. I believe He does. He is a creator. Amen. Created me a clean heart. Oh God, renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from Thy presence. Take not Thy Holy Spirit from me. I know there are a lot of people that would uh, try their best to twist this around, but David knew the harsh reality of it. I need this. It's desperate. I don't want to be cast away from your presence. I don't want your Holy Spirit to be taken from me. Somebody asked me, is it possible for the Spirit of God to be taken from you? Well, 
probably more accurately, you can just walk away from it. Amen. I don't think that God's willing or desires to take His good gifts away from anybody, but you can let them slip, the Bible says. You, you, you can neglect them. That's what the Bible says. I believe that God is going to do everything He can to get your attention. Amen. I believe you see through the Word of God. It wasn't God's will to bring judgment ever. It was you, He's always just sending prophet after prophet saying, Come on, what's wrong with you? Get back with God. God's so merciful. Some of the longest books of our Old Testament are just people like, like Ezekiel and, and Jeremiah and Isaiah saying, Come on, God's been good to you. Why? Why would you take one more moment and not just run to Him? But you still have a choice. I don't know how many times I've spent time with people saying, You know, God... God wants you in heaven. He wants you there so bad that there was a cross with your sins hanging on that cross. With your debt hanging from there. That's how much love that Almighty God has for you. When you feel like you've been forgotten, when you feel like, like, like things just are, are going every way but the right way, there's a cross that says He cares about you. And the Bible sadly talks about people that will walk over the blood of Jesus. Many times I've told people, please, just just surrender to this God that cares about you so much. And I've found out that I care more about their soul than they did. And there's nothing I can do. I'm not, I can't save anybody. And if you're looking for, for this preacher to have the right word or the, 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 just, just the, uh, the magic touch, if you will, all I can say is Jesus can take care of your needs. All I can say is put your confidence in Him and Him alone. Because I'll fail you. I'll let you down and you'll let other people down too. But Jesus, He's there for you. If you're looking for perfection around you, God's not looking for that. He's looking for you to just get back to your first love. Hallelujah. Look what it says in verse 12. This is what David was really crying out for. Clean heart, a right spirit, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. When you start doing those first works over, when you start going back to that place of repentance... Getting back to that place where I recognize God's in His place, I'm in my place. God is everything and I'm nothing. I need Him. There's everything in my life. I need Him. And God, He really doesn't need me. Amen. I said, He really doesn't need me. But oh God, I've lost the joy of my salvation. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. You might think it's just an option, but it's not. Amen. Joy does not mean you're in a good mood. It doesn't mean that everything's going your way. It doesn't mean everything's easy. It just means Jesus is with you in it. You know it's going to be all right. It's more than a feeling. It's more than, than just dancing and shouting. Although I love that. Because God loves it. But a joy is, a, I think it's a, 
a lot of it really to me is so much it's similar to just a peace of mind that says it's going to be all right there's something that's going to keep me going because god is what i'm looking at god is what i'm trusting god is is where my focus is amen Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. Then, somebody say then. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Drop it down to verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. Broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Sometimes that's where God's taken us. Brother, this morning, Brother Bob was talking about that wilderness that, that he went through for... How many days? And, and um, it'll, it'll bring you to a place of brokenness. Take you back to a place where you recognize, God, even though you saved me years ago, Lord, I still need to recognize you're everything to me. Going back to those first works. Second Corinthians, we read this so often in chapter 7. Please turn with me. Second Corinthians 7. Oh, hallelujah. God help us. He said you left your first love. Somewhere along the line, you got your eyes on on you. Got your eyes on others. Got your eyes on circumstances and situation. Might be cares of this life. Might be the deceitfulness of riches. But you left your first love. It's time to get back to that. Time to do those first works over. And just come to God and say, Lord, today you're everything to me. No matter what I face, God, I'm going to put my confidence in you. 2 Corinthians 7. Paul is talking again to believers, talking about those in the church. Verse 8. Those that had gotten back to that first love experience. Paul says, though I made you sorry with a letter. He recognized how... Maybe he felt like he wasn't very nice in that letter, but he was telling them the truth in love. He said, I do not repent. I'm not sorry I sent it. Though I did repent, there was a time where I said, oh, wow. That was pretty intense. Maybe I, maybe I, I, I went too far. Maybe I said too much. But I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were for but a season. Now I rejoice. Not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. Doing those first works over takes you back to that godly sorrow. How many realize there's just no place for pride in God's house? Amen. And the moment or the day that you say, not me, is the day you need to take note. The day you think, hey, they are proud, but not me. I'll never be proud. That's probably just pride in you saying it couldn't happen to you. Amen. So subtle, so dangerous. The Bible says they were made sorry and they sorrowed to repentance. For you made sorry, sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us in nothing. That's the will of God. Not that you're damaged, but that you're... That you're repentant. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. But listen to this. 
For behold, this selfsame thing that you sorrowed after a godly sword, what carefulness it wrought in you. When you get back to that first love, when you truly repent and do the first works and get back to where you need to be and say, God, forgive me for ever drifting, it'll bring a carefulness in you. Thank God for people that have been in this church for years and years and years. And they can't afford to be distracted. They can't afford to play games during prayer meeting. Can't afford to just kind of be distracted during worship. Because their carefulness that they say, I need this. I need everything God's given me. I'm not strong enough to just go through the motions as half-hearted. I realize in this world we're living in, a lot of churches, maybe a lot of meetings you've been to, a lot of services you've been to, there's not a lot of good Sadly, a good examples in many times because you're looking at people that's satisfied. Fill in a space. Don't ever really have to get too deep in prayer. Don't really have to be too enthusiastic during worship. Don't really have to be too excited about the preaching. They're there and you ought to just be so glad that you can rub shoulders with them. It's so sad. It's so sad. I One preacher I've listened to few times, maybe several times you could say, he's kind of known for being a little, uh, just getting a little wound up and he preaches different meetings over the years and he'll, he'll turn around, he's part of a, part of a, a, a denomination, a, a, an apostolic denomination and he'll turn around and look at all the elders there and he'll, he'll tell the whole church, the whole building full of people and say, if they're going to sit down on preaching, don't you listen to what they have to say when they get up. A preacher doesn't have a have a, 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 a you know an excuse just to sit back and say, hey, look at me, I've, I've arrived in this. It's up to you to really get a move of God going. I don't have a lot of time for somebody to go stand around and look at other people when God's moving. Amen. I don't care if you've been in this for years and you're a pastor or bishop or whatever title you may have or what kind of, hey, hey it, it, we need that God to move and it's gonna, it, it'll bring carefulness in you. I want to, I want to every song to, that's talking about if I need to give Him my all, then I want to be looking at myself, saying, "Am I giving my all?" When it's talking about how good He is, I want it to be resonating in my heart. Yes, God, You are good, and I don't want to waste any moment in my serving God. He said, "What kind of carefulness it wrought in you because you were sorrowed because you went back and did the first works and repented." What clearing of yourselves. I'm not who I was. Nobody's going to mistake me for that old man, that old woman. Amen. I'm new. And, and I'm not going back. I'm not looking back. What carefulness, what clearing, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire. There's passion in that that says every bit of it. I want more of God. Every bit of it. I need more of God. I'm so easily drifting. I'm so easily distracted. I'm so easily swept away by things. And I don't want to lose what God has given me. So I seek Him with all my heart. Hallelujah. What revenge in all things you have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Everything that I've preached to you today, as well as any other time I've ever preached, is not contingent on how we feel today. It's not contingent on what happened throughout the day that may have 
somehow just uh, fought against you and made it hard for you to enjoy your day. This is about choosing to get back to a first love. Isn't it amazing sometimes that sometimes God puts somebody in your path that they need what you have spiritually, but yet sometimes they're telling you about lessons that they've learned and you kind of inside hang your head and say, God, I'm so sorry that they have something that I ought to have. Hey, before you think I'm wrong, Jesus in one of his parables said, I wish the children of light had the wisdom of some of the children of darkness. When he talked about the unjust steward. Yeah, he did. Talked to someone here recently and they were saying a friend of theirs had come over to this nation from another country and had an upbringing that was just brutally abused. Times where they said their their own mother would come and just beat them, punch them in the face, broke their nose, this young girl. And just so angry and so violently abused. And my friend said, I'm so sorry for... I had no idea that the trauma you suffered. And they said, oh, I had no trauma. That's not trauma. See, my mom, I I wasn't, I'm not saying I deserve that kind of punishment because I certainly didn't, but my mom had a bad life. And I understand that she was working things out because she was so broken and hurt. And I didn't deserve that, but I, 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 I had problems too. But today, I don't carry trauma. I'm blessed today because of my life. And not a, can I tell you today that in God, we can rise above this world and have an experience with Him that, that brings meaning into our failures, brings meaning into our hurt, brings meaning into the, 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 the scars that we carry with us. That we can say, God, uh, you have truly worked all things together for good. You truly have kept me. But Lord, so often I had a hard time trusting you. So often, Lord, I had to say, help my unbelief. And it was so easy for me to get focused on everything but your goodness. But today, I want to get back to that first love. Let me say it again in closing. God remembers. Remembers the revival that you have. Remembers the closeness that you shared remembers the the times that it didn't matter what your circumstance or situation was. He was king of kings in your life and you loved him. And you expressed that to him. And he says, no matter what your credentials are today, that first love is what I'm really wanting in you today. I want you to fall in love with me like you once had. Get back to that. Remember, remember. And turn back to it and repent and do the first works over. Can we bow our heads in prayer? Sister Abby, if you come, play something for us. Remember what you had. Remember how you got it. Nothing's changed. Things weren't easy when you first came to an altar. Things weren't ideal when you first fell in love with Jesus. But He 
shined His love into your heart and into your life, and you said, I need more of Jesus and less of me. Repentance is not only an experience that we have at the beginning of our walk with God, but it is a a renewing of that first love. Come on, let's find a place to pray. Let's take some time and say, God, search me. Look at my love. Look at that first love. God, I want to get back to. I love you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here tonight. God, that you'd help us. God, that you'd help us. God, that you'd help us. salvation. Oh, yes, God. And renew a right spirit within me. for us, God, that you gave all that we might be your sons and daughters. God, help us. Help us, Lord, to get back to that time where we first laid down our own our own worth, our own will, and said, God, I trust in you. And God, I'll trust you and follow you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God.
Bless each one, I pray, Lord, here tonight, Lord. I pray that you would, God, just keep us safe as we travel, but also shine your light through us throughout this week, God, that you would receive glory and honor. We love you. We thank you, God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you.